The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he spent some time there with them and baptized. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem, because water was abundant there, and people kept coming and were being baptized. John, of course, had not yet been thrown into prison. Now a discussion about purification arose between John's disciples and a Jew. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the one who was with you across the Jordan to whom you testified, here he is baptizing, and all are going to him. John answered, No one can receive anything except has been given from heaven. You yourselves are my witnesses that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. The Gospel of the Lord. In today's Gospel, from John chapter 3, verses 22 to 30, we have a commentary or clarification on the earlier part of the Gospel where, in chapter 3 of John, Jesus comes to Nicodemus. Actually, it's Nicodemus who comes to Jesus at night. Nicodemus is a Pharisee and a Sanhedrin representing the Old Testament dispensation. Nicodemus wants to know about who Jesus is and the nature of his mission. And Jesus says, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven unless you be born again. Nicodemus, being of the old dispensation, believes that this means something physical, being actually born again a second time. But Jesus clarifies and says, you must be born again of water and the Spirit. And what does that mean? And that's been disputed among all kinds of different Christian denominations. But it's clear in today's Gospel, the latter part of John chapter 3, the whole context of the chapter is baptism. And so it says that Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and spent time there baptizing. And John the Baptist replies that he must decrease and Christ must increase. Then he talks about this relationship between bridegroom and bride. So what John has in mind is the truth that in baptism, we're not just born again, we are brought into a new covenant, a new dispensation, a new intimacy, an actual marriage. Because we are brought into Christ, we are made one with Christ and his church, which is his bride. So we are given clarification that baptism is crucial. And if we go on in the New Testament, we have letters like Titus chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, and Acts chapter 2, which very much clarify that baptism saves you. It's not just a ordinance, not just a symbol. It saves you. And that makes sense because we're brought into Christ and his church. Baptism is the door, the gateway to all the other sacraments. Well, if that's the case, 
and we're brought into this great intimacy, then what should we do? We should revel in the intimacy, which you're doing this morning by being here to receive our bridegroom, Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And also to pray. Prayer is the key, because we really do enter into an intimacy with our bridegroom. And that's what First John chapter 5, our first reading, says. My dear people, this is the boldness we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That intimacy in prayer means that we are being brought into this relationship more and more because we are in this nuptial relationship. But it goes even deeper than that. We are given agency. We are given the privilege of being co-redeemers of our brothers and sisters. John goes on to say in today's first reading, if you see your brother or sister committing what is not a mortal sin, you will ask and God will give him life. We can pray for our brothers and sisters and God will respond by giving them life. Now mortal sin is another issue. That requires the sacrament of reconciliation for sure. But our venial sins can lead us into greater mortal sin and that's where we can play this part of interceding for our brothers and sisters for those who don't know Christ for those who are in some type of sin that is bringing them closer to closer to damnation God will give to such a one that we pray for life so that's the intimacy that we're being invited into today and there's all kinds of precedents for that in the Old Testament for example, Abraham in Genesis chapter 18, where he intercedes for the righteous people of Sodom who are at risk because the city is going to be destroyed. What does God do? Abraham is able to bring God down to just having 10 righteous in the city. He'll spare all the others from destruction. Later on, we have Moses in Exodus, chapter 32. This is after the great apostasy of the golden calf, and God wants to wipe out his people. Moses intercedes, and God relents. Finally, we have Job, the last chapter of that book. He prays for the three friends who displeased God by their words. They did it because God told them, these three friends, go to Job and asked Job to pray for you and in fact they were saved so we have this marvelous intimacy because of baptism and because we enter into it not just when we were a child but every day as you're doing this morning and then through our prayers we're able to actually have this great agency this co-redemptive dignity of being children of God